This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. Second Sunday of a series for February. And as far as I know, I've never repeated a series other than this series. I spoke last February, this exact series. Now the content, the content's a little bit different. And that's just because it's been a year and I tweaked a few things. But we're studying something that I'm calling the core. The core. Because I believe that out of the thousands upon thousands of promises that God has made to you and God has made to me in his Bible through his word, that if you trace them all back, they all stem, they all come from four key promises. So instead of us trying to memorize and be very familiar with almost 3,500 promises, if we could just all really get comfortable and familiar with these four, I believe that the more you study God's word, the more you'll understand the different branches of promises that stem from these four. So last Sunday, I spoke on this topic that if you don't understand anything else about God in your Christian faith, you may not understand or fully grasp creation. There's so many debates about it. And even for me, someone that does spend time studying the Word of God, I will say the magnitude of God's creation ability is so mind-blowing that I would be lying to you and lying to me if I told you that I fully get it because it's so big. God is so big and he's done so much marvelous things from, you know, just the other day, my, my, my children and I were driving down the road and, and my oldest said, look at that incredible sunset. And the three of us, my wife went with us, we found ourselves just blown away at this sunset. When you start thinking about the incredible ability of God's power on display, it's overwhelming. It's beautiful. It's powerful. So if you can't fully understand all there is, last Sunday's sermon, which was more than just information, last Sunday's point, last Sunday's nugget, is really the starting point for all humanity. Whether you be a resident in Argentina, South Africa, or Fort Worth, Texas, you got to know this, and here it is. God wants to save you. If you're visiting today, you might say, wow, I was really hoping to hear some deep, new, fresh revelation. Well, I believe with all my heart, the world that we're living in and the culture we're in, a culture where sin is at a peak. We've never lived in more of a darker hour where morality is failing everywhere. There is no such thing as ethics any longer. Uh, we, we even put on platforms the best of the best when it comes to politicians, and you look close enough, we'll find that there's darkness everywhere in our world. So before we try to get real cute and creative and try to come up with these new creative thoughts on scripture why not let's be reminded of the basic God wants to save you he wants to give you an option 
and you take advantage of the option of being saved from sin. Because the end result of sin, the Bible says, there's a penalty for it. And it's death. It's not life. Sin always brings forth death. And the only way that you can have that penalty avoided in your life is a payment of blood. And it's not of any other blood other than the blood of Jesus Christ. The way God structured things and the way he set things up is that Jesus and only Jesus' blood could save you from sin. That work, that act has already happened and it's finished. It's already taken the victory over death, hell, and the grave. Sin has already been defeated, but because you and I have now been born into this world, we must now respond to what Jesus has done. And we must accept the fact that it's already accomplished what he set out to do, and that was to give you an escape route out of death, an escape route known as eternal life with Jesus. So you must now believe that, reach out and receive that, claim that, and God wants to save you. In that way of saving you, you're going to get to know God. I said it last Sunday, and I don't want to be too redundant today recapping, but God already knows you. God knows everything about you. What God's pleasure is now is you getting to know him. And you can't get to know him if you're living in the dark because he's light. you got to come out of the darkness into the light to get to know the Lord. So once you're saved, we come into this day, this Valentine's Day, and I want to preach to you this morning that not only does he want to save you and get to know you, he wants you to know freedom. I used this illustration last week. It's a great illustration. If someone were in prison and they had their handcuffs on and their chains around their feet and they were wearing their orange jumpsuit that none of us would want our picture taken in, if they scaled the wall and broke out and they started running down the streets, we would recognize them as a prisoner by what they were wearing and how they were acting. We would identify that they were not where they should, were supposed to be, wouldn't we? We would probably call the cops, lock ourselves up, and, well, we're in Texas. We'd probably draw our favorite weapon. But we would be terrified for what we were seeing. But so it is with God and you. God's plan and his idea is for you not to come out of sin and still have to live with chains around your hands and live in a jumpsuit of, of, of sin. He wants you to be free from that. So today, I'm going to spend my time with you in the word of the Lord, showing you that God's plan for your life is that you give your life to Jesus Christ and be saved. In the name of the Lord, receive that today. But he wants you to also be free from some issues. Because here's the bottom line. When you're saved, there's only one thing that's saved. Everyone say, it's my spirit. Your spirit is made perfect at salvation. Not your body and not your soul, which is your mind, the way you think, your emotions. All of us know this, or we should know this. We're comprised of, we're, com we're completed by these three things. We're spirit, soul, and mind. Spirit, mind, and soul. Soul, body. You, are you with me? It's, it's our body, it's our spirit, and it's our soul. Let, let's, let's, let's clear all that up with this statement. Your spirit is made right with God 
But your body, your flesh, and your mind, which is your soul, the way you think and your emotions, they're still a wreck. They're still jacked up. A lot of people think that when they come to Jesus Christ, that everything about their world's made perfect. That's a lie. You're still going to go pay some debts that you accumulated, or you better. You're still going to have to go to work, you better. You're still going to go home and do your rightful duties as husband and wife and parent, or you better. Just because your spirit's made right, you're not immune from living out this life of Christianity with your body and with your soul. Let me paint this picture for you. If I am living in darkness, living in sin, and I give Jesus my life, he makes me right. Jesus makes me in right standing with God because of what Jesus did, not what I did. He made me right, but when I'm now faced with reality that I'm not going to heaven yet, I must now work or partner with God in getting out of some of the issues that I've been in for a long time. If you were here last Sunday, you heard this illustration. If I'm in a house that's burning, it's full of smut, it's full of smoke, it's on fire. Just because I make it out doesn't mean that I'm still not smelling like fire. It doesn't mean that I don't have the smut to prove that I was in the fire. And it definitely does not mean that I won't have nightmares of the fire. Are you tracking with me? You cannot do one thing good enough or bad enough to prevent Jesus from saving you. He will save you not on your goodness but on what what he's done. But once you're saved, it's time to go to work. I say it this way. Once you're saved, you got to start living saved. If he saved you, you got to start living like he saved you. And guess what? <laughs> That's your job. You coming to Jesus and accepting his salvation is his job. Everybody say it's Jesus' job. But guess what getting free is? That's your job because you're going to partner with the Lord. Amen. Let me help you with some scripture. Philippians chapter 2 and the second part, uh, portion of verse 12. Philippians 2, the second piece of verse 12 and 13. In the NLT, in the New Living Translation of the Word of the Lord, this is how we see it. We're told to work hard to show the results of your salvation. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Check it out. Obeying. Everybody say obeying. Obeying. Man, we don't like that word. I love me some saved by grace, but I don't want to obey anything. I just want to be said that all is well with me and God, but I don't want to obey anything. I want everything my daddy has, but I don't want to obey. I want my earthly father. I want my father that's here in this service. I I want him to not spend another dime the rest of his life where I can get every dime he's ever accumulated. But I don't want to do anything out of obedience. So it is with our God. We won't save, but we don't want to obey. And that's not a fair, honest approach to the Scripture. The Scripture says you got something free 
and that was your salvation. But if you're going to be set free, that's not free. If you're going to be set free, you're going to have to work for it. Now, the good news is you're not on your own. This says, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Ready? Check it out. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. When you come to Jesus and you give your life to the Lord, he tosses you a tool bag to put around your waist that has every tool that you'll ever need to please him, but you're going to have to pull the hammer out. You're going to have to take the saw out. You're going to get the screwdriver out. You're going to get the level out. You're going to pull the tool out, and you're going to go to work. But the good news is, even if you've never swung a hammer, the Bible says he's going to work through you, partner with you, giving you the desire and the power to do what? What's pleasing to him. You're not on your own. So if you're going to get free from addiction, if you're going to get free today from pain and fear and anxiety, if you're going to get free from issues of sin that you've not been able to really get rid of all your life, if that's going to happen, it's going to happen because you choose to partner with God and allow God to work in you and through you for you, but you can't just sit on the couch with a tub of bluebell and a bag of potato chips and expect to get healthy. If you're going to be spiritually healthy, you're going to have to let God do some work in you. And you're going to have to be busy about your father's business because it's for your good. I had a vision preaching in the first service. I had a vision as me as a child. And like every other young man in this room, if you grew up with a dad that had a push mower, you'll get this illustration. While preaching in the first service, it was in my mind. I remember as a kid wanting and begging and pleading and wanting so bad to push mow that yard by myself. I, 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 when I was real young, I was short. <laughs> Years ago, I was short. And that old push mower, that handle would be above me. And I would struggle and struggle. I couldn't handle it. But there was a bracing in the middle of that push mower. It wasn't meant to be pushed on because it only had just like a simple little wing nut holding it together. And it was really just kind of a, a stabilizer. But I would get that bar, still really couldn't handle it, but yet it fit me better. But old Tom Sr. would come along and get behind and push the upper handle, the meant-to-be-pushed handle. I was able to do what was needed to be done, but I had someone helping me do it. And the finished result was pleasing the one helping me do it. Here's where we get messed up. We try to do what's pleasing for us. We want to accomplish success to please us. I want to quit that drinking because I want to be sober. Well, let me help you with this. That's a great reason to get sober. And I want to celebrate something today. The reason I had my friend Charlie on the platform two Sundays ago celebrating 120 days of sobriety because that's a big stinking deal. And I love the fact that people are wanting to get themselves healthy. And I celebrate every single person today. 
Whatever your issue is, if you're trying to stop going to that website or stop drinking that or stop smoking that or stop going there or stop doing that, you name it. I'm not here to put labels on anybody. But whatever it is that you're trying to get free from, celebrate the little steps of success along the way. But here's where we get messed up. Here's where we get ourselves tricked up. It's not just for your good. You're trying to do something that's pleasing God. If you try it without God... Guess what? You're never going to get victory over it because you're, you're trying to please you. <laughs> How many, has anybody been successful at that? No. Our body and our soul have issues. When I was saved, my spirit was made right, but my body still has issues, and you don't have to say amen to that. Or I'll talk about your body. We all got our little issues, right? But we're going to partner with God to do what's pleasing for Him. It's God's will that you find freedom. So find freedom from what, Pastor Tommy? You, you keep mentioning these things like alcohol or this or that. Are you really that kind of preacher that's going to just make a list of sins? And, and are you really that kind of a hellfire and brimstone? You're way too young. You don't even have a tie on today. How can you be a hellfire and brimstone preacher? Well, it's not really about hellfire and brimstone. It's just about sin. And you don't need a preacher to tell you what sin is. We've been there. We've gone through there. We, we, we've, we've traveled that road. It's called the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant, the preacher made the list of what you can and can't do. And that didn't work out too good for, for, for mankind. And unfortunately, even after the old covenant, we still have had preachers try to give you a list of what you can and can't do. Didn't work out too good. Sin is simple. If it's taking you away from God, it's not good for you. And you don't need a preacher to tell you what it is. Why do I know that? Because if you've come to Jesus and you've given him your life, my scriptures just told me that he's going to give you the desire to please him. So you at 15 years old, you at 50 years old, you know what's pleasing God and what's not. The question is, will you submit to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life to get the victory over it? Or will you say, no, I like this smoke on me. I like the smut on me. I, I, I've got too many memories of that sinful nature. I he saved me, but I just don't want, it's almost like this. Your chains have come off, but you're just determined to grab it and hold on to it and bring it around, kind of like a little blankie. Some people have teddy bears. Other people have like chains of problems. Yeah. Didn't you get delivered from that? Yeah, but I sleep better knowing I still got it around. He's given you the desire to please him. I'm going to take my liberty and tell you what this is. He's given you a conscience. You know right from wrong. You know what's sinful and not. You know if that hurt whoever fell just now. Whatever that was sounded really painful. You know if it's pleasing God or if it's pleasing you. Oh, man. This is so good. And I'm afraid, I'm so afraid that it's so simple 
that we don't get it. You know what's pleasing God and what's pleasing you. Well, I thought I was supposed to be blessed and please myself. You're still living in that body and you're still letting that mind control things and run your life. What you're supposed to be doing is bringing this body and this mind under subjection to God. And before you think that that means perfection, oh, don't misread me. Don't ever put that big heavy garment of perfection on because it doesn't look good on you. All of us know you can't wear it well. So get free from that and just start living a life that's attempting to please God. Somebody say amen this morning. So we're going to avoid the list of what's not to do. And I want to help you understand this this morning. I'm going to give you three simple generalizations of what you want to be free from. The number one thing is this. You want to have victory over sin. Victory. Here's the key. You've already been saved from being a sinner because now you're a believer in Jesus. But now you're in a point where you now need to take victory over sin. You need to get cleaned up. And just to help somebody out this morning, even the greats of the great in Scripture went through the same process of finding freedom. In the book of Romans chapter 7, verse number 21, Paul tells us, I've discovered this principle in life. That Can anybody say an amen to this? That when I want to do what's right, I inevitably do what's wrong. Can any husband say amen this morning? Can any wife, can any son, any daughter, any parent? When I want to do what's right, why, by the way, do I want to do what's right? Because he's given me the desire to do what's right. I want to do what's right. But inevitably, there's times that I, I drop the ball. And if you're not careful, the enemy of your life will come into your world with condemnation and say, ha, you dropped the ball. You're not saved. Check it out. My spirit's saved. My body and my soul is what dropped the ball. Oh, I feel like preaching this morning. If you drop the ball... You have not fallen out with God. But before we tinker with a mistake of understanding salvation, before we get tricked into thinking this once saved, always saved, false doctrine in my opinion. Come on somebody. Dropping the ball, you're not out of the game. You take that ball and kick it over the fence and say, I'm never playing again. Now we got problems. But when you drop the ball, guess what we do? We pick the ball back up. And we say, come on, body, come on, soul, line up with what Jesus did for me. He's made me right, now I've got to live what's right. He's made me perfect, now I've got to strive to allow my life with your righteousness in me to be pleasing to you. I need to reach in there and get that tool, and I need to put that tool to work in whatever area of my life that I'm working in. Why? What's the point of all this sermon? Because I want to know freedom. God did not save me to live bound up and troubled for the rest of my life. He wants you free. Someone clap your hands to the Lord this morning.
verse 22. He says, I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that's at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that's still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Here comes the hope. The word of God never, ever, ever points out a problem without a solution. He never shows us in the word of God a question without an answer. Here's the problem and here's the question. I'm a miserable man because I want to do what's right, but I don't do what's right. What am I going to do? There's the problem. There's the question. But then the word of the Lord says this in verse 25. I, I back up, verse 24. Who's going to free me from this life that's dominated by sin? Verse 25, thank God the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Listen, if you're one that's got issues and you're just struggling to take victory over them, don't give up. Don't mail it in and tap out and wave a flag and say, I just can't be like brother so-and-so. I just can't seem to get the victory over this. No, that struggle is a reminder to you this morning that your spirit's right with God, but you're in the process of finding your freedom by the help of God in you, giving you the desire, and he's giving you the power. And if you drop that ball, get down, pick that thing up, and dust yourself up and keep going, it's not worth getting to the point of giving up. Check this out. Your life of perfection is not going to lead you any closer to God or your strife for a life of perfection. But nor is your dropping the ball going to take you any further from God. The key is stay in the game. Everybody say stay in the game. game. Yeah. What game? The game of you finding your freedom. Somebody say amen. Number two, or we're going to be here all day. Number two. He also wants to give you freedom by this measure. He wants to give you freedom by healing your wounds. Here's the difference. Sin's what you got yourself into. Sin's what you got yourself into. Yourself meaning your Adamic nature. Sin, you were born into sin. Sin, you were shaping an iniquity. Sin... That was the penalty upon humanity way back in the garden. We got ourselves into this. We all got to the same place the same way. Sin took us there. Is everybody all right? But wounds, wounds have been brought upon us from other people and circumstances in life. Nobody asked for the abuse. Nobody went looking for the or the poor parenting that maybe some of you went through. Nobody goes looking for divorce. Nobody signs up for bankruptcy. Nobody desires to go unemployed for so long that it brings upon depression. Nobody wants to go down and say, I want to be the first one to deal with anxiety. Nobody dreams of having a child that goes wayward. This room is full of people right now today in this 11 o'clock service. From the preacher to the first time guest, we all have our wounds. And we've got things that, that, that we're suffering with and we hurt from. We've got nightmares and dreams and we've got, we've got people that we avoid. We've got places that, that we pray that we're never called to go back to. 
We've got conversations that still linger in our minds that we wish we never heard or never had. We've got wounds. And God's will is to save you, yes. And God's will is to give you the victory over sin by using that tool bag that pleases him. But God's plan for your life is to also heal you from the wounds. How does he do it? It's going to take a process, but it's going to come through his grace. God's grace is sufficient, brother. God's grace is sufficient, ma'am. What do you mean, Pastor Tommy? It's enough for you. You don't know how dark my childhood was. His grace has enough light for that darkness. But Pastor Tommy, you mentioned divorce. I've had three. His grace is good for those. Pastor Tommy, you mentioned one child that's gone wayward. It seems like my whole family's gone wayward. His grace is sufficient for all of that. There's not one thing that you can be dealing with and suffering from that he's not already given you the grace to be healed from. Where we get into our struggle is that when our spirit's right, we think that this is just the results of a life that we've lived and that this is stuff that we just have to live with now. And that's not God's plan for your life. And I know people that bring up maybe Paul's thorn. Well, maybe this is just my thorn that I have to deal with. Can I tell you this morning that God's will is to pluck that out of your life? He doesn't want you feeling that every day. He doesn't want you struggling with that every day. Are you, are you following what I'm preaching this morning? There's not a person in this room that this doesn't apply to. My question is, are you receiving the healing balm of God's grace? Or are you frustrating God's free gift of grace by saying, I'm just going to drag this along with me to heaven. It just must be my calling to deal with this burden. No, the death of that loved one that still lingers and grief is still hanging on. The problems and the, and the pain that you've suffered it's God's will that it be healed out of your life. He wants your emotions to be level. He wants your body to be made right. Ladies and gentlemen, I feel the ministry of the Holy Spirit here. It's interesting how God moves. I feel this spirit stronger right now than when I was preaching in the first service in this same point of the sermon. I really feel like this service is one that has people that have open wounds of life. And you're wondering, well, if I'm saved, why am I still dealing with this? Ladies and gentlemen, God wants to bandage that up and get you on the mend. But you're going to have to partner with him. It may come through some therapy. It may come through counseling. You, you may have to go and offer forgiveness to someone that you never in a million years dreamed you would want to forgive. But if that wound's going to close and heal, you're going to have to partner with God and you're going to allow to have to allow the Holy Spirit in you, through you, for your healing to come about. All over this room, just bow your heads right now. I'm not done preaching. I just feel led to pray. Lord, I feel a sensitivity in the room. And I don't do this every week. I don't make it a point to, to put on a show and to exaggerate things. But I feel right now that healing is coming to lives. And I interrupt this very sermon. I still have something else to say, but right now, the most important part of my world is this moment. Receive the healing of God's grace into your marriage, 
Receive the healing of God's grace into your children's lives and the relationship you have with, maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's an aunt and uncle or a grandparent. Whatever it is that's got you hurting, I just speak the words of Jesus Christ, be healed, and may it be so according to your faith. Everyone say amen. There's a third thing that he wants to set you free from in this life of freedom and the process of finding freedom. Yeah, he wants to give you victory over your sin. He wants to heal your wounds that's been brought on by others. But ladies and gentlemen, as I close this morning, there's a third thing that you need to find freedom from, and it's something that very few people in the modern-day church wants to ignore, uh, very few people rather wants to acknowledge. Most Christians these days and most pulpits these days want to ignore this, but you're in spiritual warfare. There is an enemy of your life. Pastor Tommy, are you really going to go there? I'm going there because you need to hear it. Your spirit's right, but your emotions are under attack. And your body is under attack. The enemy wants to manifest or show up. It wants to be revealed in different ways. If God can't get you off track with sin, he'll get you off track with love. If he can't get you off track with sin, he'll get you off track with relationships. He'll come right into your marriage. You're right with God with your, with your spirit, correct? But yet all of a sudden you're bickering more than you've ever bickered. What's going on with this? We just came to Jesus and now we can't agree on anything. The work of the enemy, you have a target on your back. We were doing just fine and then we gave our lives to Jesus. Now my kids have gone just plumb crazy. Your family has a target it's on its back. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to close with just empowering you. I want to encourage you to take your rightful position as a believer. You now that have a spirit made right with God, you must take authority as a believer and speak and call Satan exactly what he is. He is a liar. He is a deceiver. He will make his way in to, to, to bring division, division into your home, division on your job. He'll bring division in friendships, of lifelong friendships. He wants to bring a division. God wants to bring together. The enemy of your life wants to break apart. He wants to make you physically ill. That's Tommy, I thought it was just a cold. Could have been a cold. But what have you been doing for the Lord lately? I'm telling you, when you're up to something good for God, he'll bring hell on your life. He'll open up all of hell in your world. When you're doing something powerful for God and you're trying to bring your family closer to the Lord, get ready, you're in spiritual warfare. But just as I said a few moments ago, there's never a problem revealed that there's not a solution. And there's never a question asked in the Bible that there's not an answer. In Bible school, they warn you not to read too lengthy of scriptures because it lulls people to sleep. Well, I preach so long, I've already put you to sleep. So for those that are still awake, maybe we can all take a nap after I read this long piece of scripture. But this is as good as it gets. What I'm about to read to you from the book of Ephesians in the message translation of scripture 
If you will receive this word, it will change your world. What I'm about to show you in scripture, you will find freedom. Having victory over your sin, having the healing of your wounds that other people have brought upon you, and you will take victory over the enemy of your future and of your family if you'll receive this portion of scripture. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10 in the message. And that about wraps it up. God is strong and he wants you strong. So take everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials. Put them to use so that you'll be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no afternoon athletic contest that we're just going to walk away from and forget in a few hours. This is for keeps. It's a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all of his angels. Two words here in verse 13. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. So take all the help you can get. Every weapon that God has issued so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation. It's more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an, an, indis it's an indispensable Weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in the ongoing of warfare. Pray hard. Everyone say pray hard. Pray long. Everybody say pray long. Pray for your brothers and your sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or no one drops out. Once my spirit's right, this old body and this soul, which is the way I think and act and my emotions, it's now in a process of finding freedom. And God's grace is good enough and sufficient enough for the process. How long's the process? However the process is. How long's it going to take? However long it takes. Because until he either blows the trumpet and the New Testament born-again church is called away, or at your point of death, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to be in the process of finding freedom. And what the enemy wants you to do is say, I'll never get there. No, you're going to get there. You're going to celebrate every day of sobriety along the way. You're going to celebrate every dinner date with your spouse along the way. You're going to celebrate every hug with your kids along the way. You're going to celebrate every day with a paycheck along the way. You're going to celebrate every day that your body is able to get up and walk on its own two feet every day. You're going to celebrate every word that you hear with your hearing and everything you see with your eyes. You're going to be the most grateful, the most thankful, the most celebrated individual on the planet of the earth because you're going to, on the process, you're going to rejoice in the Lord always because His goodness and mercy is going to follow you. It's going to go before you. You're going to have victory over sin. You're going to have your wounds healed over time. And ladies and gentlemen, you're going to win the battle of spiritual warfare that wants to divide your home and divide your heart and drive you insane. You're going to win it because God's on your side and you've been blood-bought, 
You're born again. You're sanctified. You're a child of God. And you're on your way to heaven. And in the meantime, you're going to live the life of victory. Somebody clap your hands. Stand to your feet this morning. Musicians, come quickly. Prayer partners, come quickly. Let me close with this. The last portion of scripture I read, the last portion, it said pray hard and pray long. But then did you catch it? Did you catch what happens? Watch this. When I'm in sin, when I'm saved, who's saved? Who's all saved? Does my whole family get saved? No. Does my town get saved? No. Does my school get saved? No. It's a one-on-one thing. When I'm saved, Jesus saves me. But then when I'm put into the church, woo, when I'm put into the community of faith, the Bible says pray hard, pray long, pray for your brothers and your sisters. Keep your eyes open. And then it says something really cool in the message. It says keep each other's spirits up where no one drops out, where no one falls behind. Let me ask you a very convicting question. Do you see the faces of men and women that you used to do life with in your Christian walk that are not saved today because they chose to kick the ball over the fence and walk away? Not those that have just dropped the ball. I'm not talking about somebody that's missed church a few weeks. I'm talking about somebody that's turned their back on the love of God and chose to go away. More than likely, what happened is they got pushed out of the pack like a safari scene. It's like a lion in, in an African safari scene. He's coming upon a herd of impala. He's able to isolate one and take him out of the pack. If the enemy can get you disconnected from the body of Christ, you're done. Why is church attendance important? Well, Church has never saved anybody, but it keeps people saved. Why are small groups important? Small groups never saved anybody, but it keeps people saved. Why are godly, healthy church relationships important? They can't save you, they can keep you saved. Because they're going to keep reminding you you got victory over sin. They're going to keep reminding you in time your wounds are going to be healed. They're going to keep reminding you, hey, you're in spiritual warfare. Let's pray together. We're better together. Don't find freedom alone. Find freedom with someone else. One way we do this at this church is by friendly prayer partners. They won't ask you anything you don't want to share. They won't pry into your business. They simply want you to know that someone cares about you and they want to pray for you. All over this room, bow your heads and close your eyes. If you have sin in your life and because of the preaching of God's word, you know you need to give your heart to Jesus Christ today. Lift your hand quickly. Today's the day you're going to give your life to Jesus. I see you right there in the back. I see you right here. I see you right there in the middle. God bless you. I love that hand right there. Is there anyone on this side? If you have sin in your life, you need to come to Jesus. Lift your hand. 
I know it's a very straightforward and direct question, but you know, we're not guaranteed a tomorrow. We're not promised tomorrow. That's why this is not a game. We're talking about your life for eternity. If you need Jesus to save you, lift your hands quickly. I pray this prayer with you that have your hands lifted. And then what we're going to do next is have an altar call for freedom. Our worship team's going to help us. But here we go. If your hands lifted, pray this out of the abundance of your heart. These are my words, but you must come before Jesus for yourself. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I don't understand the whole work of your salvation but I am going to put my faith in the fact that it's only you that can save me. Before I get too complicated and make it too complex and try to figure out how it's going to work, I'm just going to say, Lord, save me. Because you know and I know that I'm not where I need to be. I'm not pleasing you in my lifestyle. I've got sin in my mind and in my heart, and it's keeping me away from you. Save me this day in Jesus' name. This morning, if you need freedom in your life, you need things to be broken off of your life, you need issues, you need addictions, you need habits, you need problems, you need wounds to be healed, you need forgiveness, you need forgiveness offered and you need forgiveness received. If you need memories wiped out of your mind, if you need the nightmares to stop, if you need fear to be quenched, the anxiety to disappear. This altar is open for you. And I want you to come right now in the name of the Lord. And I'm going to pray over you personally today. Come quickly. Come this morning. If you need deliverance, if you need freedom, God bless you as you come. God bless you as you come. Your spirit's right with God, but your emotions are a wreck. If your spirit's right with God, but yet you're you feel like there's a target on every aspect of your life and the enemy is attacking you in every area. It's causing you to have depression and worry and fear. This altar calls for you.